Hello and welcome back to the VSCS podcast. My name is Charlie and I'm back on the podcast with a new episode for you guys. This week we're going to be joined by one of our deputy head students, Molly Granston, and one of our teachers, Mr Miles, who has kindly offered to do an episode focused on epilepsy. Now, you might not know much about epilepsy, but that's okay. Today's episode is to develop our understanding of what epilepsy is and how it affects people in their everyday lives, and also possibly to give us some advice on how to support someone if they're experiencing the same thing, and hopefully spread some awareness about silent disabilities. So following that, Molly, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yeah. yourself? Hi, I'm Molly. Um, like Charlie said, I'm one of the deputy head students at BSES, and I am currently in year 12 studying textiles, sport and photography. Um, I moved down a year um, due to missing school and I was diagnosed with epilepsy at 11 and had my first seizure at 10. I personally have struggled with three types of seizures. Nice, and we'll talk a little bit more about the types of seizures later on in the episode, just in case anybody's wondering at the moment. Um, but thank you, Molly. Um, Mr. Miles, would you also like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, I'm Mr. Miles. I'm humanities teacher at the school. I'm also the academic progress lead for year seven. I was the academic progress lead last year for Molly's year group, so I know Molly and the current year 12s quite well. Um, I was diagnosed with epilepsy around about the age of 11 also, and I had my first seizure when I was in primary school. I've been fortunate to be seizure free for 15 years, which gives my age away a little bit. That's crazy, but also really positive. Yes. I'm assuming it's positive. Oh, very much so, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but thank you for introducing yourselves. Um, to start off with, Mr. Miles, would you be able to talk to us a little bit more about what epilepsy is and how it affects your daily day, your daily life, sorry, and what it's like to live with? Yeah, I would say that in terms of epilepsy, it's not necessarily a mental health condition or something that requires being uh, institutionalised. For example, you know, why am I talking before the start of the podcast? Maybe that historically. Individuals with epilepsy were placed into uh, into a mental health hospital and might have lobotomy, for example, it wasn't really very well understood. Um, I would say for my experience of living with epilepsy when I was younger, I was not able to do a vast majority of things that I wanted to do. So Molly's going to discuss obviously the climbing in a moment, but I had to give up mopey, for example, concerned about head contact. And I had a form of epilepsy called Rolandic epilepsy, um, and that means that every time I have a growth spurt, I didn't have that many, but you would have a seizure and ultimately then that would then put you back. So it was quite a negative experience, especially I think in Key Stage 3. In Key Stage 4 I had some really good friends who really understood it and really sort of grasped the concept of what it was like to have epilepsy. How it affected my daily life, um, well as a teenager I well, I, a lot, most of my family, believe it or not, is over six foot, so I'm quite short in the past to that. Um, so that was quite frustrating. So it meant I had to find shoes with a little bit of a heel. Um, but alongside that, it, it, people not really understanding what it was about. Yeah. You know, oh, you can't watch TV. Why? Flashing images. I love TV. You can't play computer games. Why? Because you sit in front of the screen. Only around about 11% of seizures are induced by flashing images. Yeah. Um, so foods, just saying to Molly for the start of the podcast, no chocolate, no cheese and oranges, because it causes migraines, which potentially may lead to seizures. So for me, and I think, you know, Molly will move on to this in a moment, I imagine it's that element of things were quite um, simplistic, 
Mm-hmm. Whereas now I feel that for individuals with epilepsy, still with epilepsy, uh, things have changed and there's far more scope and understanding in that respect. But um, you know, I'm very fortunate that I've very supportive family and very supportive friends. And yes. you know, I stuck to my medication, I was a good boy, and I didn't play any sport, and I tried to do things that were good for me in terms of running, etc. So there's lots of things that have changed and my daily life now is significantly different. We talk about it so being positive. Yeah. When you're eighteen and all your friends learn to drive and you're a passenger, it's great. You have a little chauffeur, but it's frustrating and impacts then your ability to secure work and do those sorts of things as you grow old. Yeah. So I'd say that that's how it affected my life as I got into my 20s, and then yeah, I haven't seen for about 15 years now, which is great. That's really good, yeah. Um, Molly, <laughs> the audience might not know this, but I have a very, I'm very privileged to know that you're a very talented climber. Thank you. Um, would you like to kind of tell us? how epilepsy has impacted or changed your ability to climb and play other sports. Yeah, so um, in terms of my climbing, um, I would say it's allowed me to be a little bit more cautious of yeah. safety stuff, because obviously it's very high <laughs> when you get to that point anyway. And But when I'm climbing, I won't necessarily be afraid or scared because I'm naturally good with heights anyway. Mm-hmm. But I have had three seizures at the climbing gym um, but they were lucky enough to not actually be on the wall. They're on the mats, <laughs> which I'm thankful for. Yeah. <laughs> but it could happen. Yeah. At some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to get very fatigued easily and lightheaded due to the side effects of my medication. So this can affect like the length of my sessions, and um, I usually take a lot of breaks in between climbing so that I can fully recover. But like in general. It has kind of changed the way I participate in all kinds of sports. So um, I played cricket for um, about 12 or so years mm-hmm. on and off. So yeah. not all the time, but during the stage where my epilepsy wasn't controlled and sort of at the beginning stages. So when I was like 12, 13, um, I had to stop in order to focus on my health. Yeah. Because it was just too tiring and... You know, I think Charlie can <laughs> agree with me. The matches are very long, especially yeah. when you get to a certain Sometimes level. Sometimes they're like three and a half, four hours yeah. long in a cricket match. Yeah. So I couldn't just stand around and, yeah. No. Yeah. And that also, because I missed cricket while everyone else was like developing their cricket, it kind of like I wasn't as good as I used to be when yeah. I came back to cricket. So it made me like try out different spaces. You know, I'd be wicketkeeper rather than a bowler and that was good for me yeah and I like doing it yeah how did you feel then in terms of having to give up something like that yeah because that for me I'm going to give up rugby until I can't play that was probably quite quite big as yeah. well being yeah. I think at young age. as yeah. a child you very much it's like you're the biggest thing yeah. you do and all of a sudden mm. you can't do it anymore mm. yeah it it's just like I think everything you think about is so much more than it actually is and you're so like in your own world, yeah. And it's like, oh, I can't do this thing. So like, now I can't do this thing, this thing, this thing. What if it's like the same day? Yeah. Yeah. If your whole day maybe like revolves around, oh, I've got climbing after school, I've got a cricket mm. match on Sunday that I need to prepare mm. for, and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore. You're yeah. like, what do I do with myself? I spend every day. Yeah, practicing. especially as sport has such an effect on mental health. Yeah. Massive. You know. 
um, it changes the way like I looked at like myself and how you know how I was feeling about myself and not having that just yeah. hurt my mental health in a way. Yeah, so it had impacts on other things as yeah. well as your physical health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really really interesting, Molly. Um, we know that epilepsy, although it affects you, can have a really significant impact on your family as well. Um, if either of you are interested in talking about it, would you be able to maybe touch on how it impacted your family when you were growing up? Yeah, certainly. So for my, um, I've got uh, one of five siblings, I'm the youngest, so there's, for my siblings, there's always that concern that I have a seizure whilst my parents are out of the house, for example. You know, my my dad was one of the first ones to say, look, you can't play that sport anymore, you can't play rugby, and it, sort of, it was just, they, they were on tenterhooks to some extent. Yeah. You don't want to see, I've never seen anyone have seizure unless it's been on TV, mm-hmm. you know, so it's that thing of like, oh my goodness, that is quite, actually quite traumatic, you know, that element yeah. of that individual is, is becoming continent, that individual, you know, they're biting their tongue, they're lashing around, they're whacking their head against something, and for my family, I suppose, an element of, as soon as they knew what it was, then it got diagnosed, then there was an element of just trusting the consultants to take the medication, they were far more comfortable with it than I was at some point. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted to ensure that I was getting the best I could get out of life at that particular time. But it impacted their ability to go off and do things. And we had to think about, you know, can we go to Thorpe Park? No, we can't yeah. because Ricky might not have a seizure on one of the, the rides, for example. Can we go to Longleat? No, because what if, you know, we have someone in the car mm-hmm. and we're in the tidal enclosure? That would be horrendous, yeah. you know. So there's elements of, you know, that, but also at the same time, your family, you love them, you trust them, and, you know, they'll take the mick out of you. And it's, it's, quite, it's quite endearing. But mm-hmm. I think for any parent or sibling to see anyone go through anything like that, it's quite quite traumatic and yeah. sometimes I don't know what you'll feel about this but I think sometimes there's an element of they are fearful of letting you do what yeah. you want to do in yeah. terms of the yeah. climbing for example well I think in terms of my family like when I was diagnosed it was very sudden so family dynamic was going to change so quickly yeah um and you know you've got those appointments to go to and oh, yes. you get hospitalised a lot. Or sometimes you go to the appointment and you'd be with your nan and your nan would say, oh, I know school, it's like about three hours of school, but should we just go to the bakery and have yeah, coffee yeah. instead? Come and watch TV with your nan? Yes. You're not going to say no to I'm that. I'm not going to say no, right? let's be honest, you know. But <laughs> I agree with the appointments are quite a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. those yeah. And like when I was diagnosed, my mum wasn't working at the time, so she could heavily prioritised me and um, I have two siblings so um, at the time they were 13 and 6 and they obviously need a lot of attention at that age especially being a six-year-old very much need that attention from mother motherly figures and like the relationship between different parents like the mum and the dad they have different roles in a way because you're never going to get what you are going to get from your mum you know you get what I mean but like looking back on it now, I feel quite guilty for the time that I took away from like my brother and sister because it kind of like hit me like I was so like not selfish but like you just don't think. I in I, a way. I don't know. I think I have to disagree with him. I think maybe just because it comes with age further down the line, but you haven't. 
haven't chosen to be an actor. Do you know what? Yeah. Right. I could choose to, you know, to some extent, isn't it? We can choose certain paths. And you've not gone, mm, shall I have epilepsy or shall I just have something else? And you put your hand yeah. in a jar and you've gone like the sorting hat in Harry Potter. Yeah. And you're, an, you're an epileptic, you know, it doesn't yeah. work. Like but I completely empathize what you're saying. It's that thing that you are taking that time from others was actually all our family wanted from us. So we siblings were saying, how old are we now? So, um, God, <laughs> Clearly important part my, of the family. My sister's 12 and yeah. my brother is uh, coming up to 20. Okay. But um, what was really prevalent in with my sister is she's five and a half years younger than me, but she was kind of like the older sister in a way. Mm. Because mm. when my parents were out in the house, she was, she, my mum would be like, oh, you've got to do this and this and this, and she'd be probably prepared. And like, she was kind of like the older sister, mm. you know, and I didn't do that sort of stuff. So it's like, yeah. now it's weird. Because yeah. like, dynamics weird, because I feel like she's my older sister, mm. which is really weird. Yeah, I, I could agree to some extent, you know, my, my parents would leave the house and they'd have to make sure I had a seizure when my brother was there. He's three years younger than me. And he had to call an ambulance and call my mum to come back home, etc. So there is that element of that dynamic, but at the same time, like Charlie said, there's an element of actually you've not chosen to have this. And as you get older, it's good to recognise that we've not taken anything from anyone. We've yeah. not taken that time. You know, no, at the end of the yeah. day, your family would rather say, We love you for who you are and what mm. you have. Yeah. And that would be taking taken stolen stuff from us, you know. You yeah. you haven't gone into the family inheritance and taken stuff from your kids either. You just yeah. in that way, you are who you are. Mm. They family love you for that, and that's the most important thing really. Yeah. Do you think maybe you would say that it helped? build your relationships, maybe more with siblings if they were younger, like it helped build what you have now, or would you say maybe it didn't help? I think so, I think we are, like as a family we are very close, Yeah. because like we've all struggled together, mm. you know, it wasn't just like a personal thing, mm. it was a struggle for everyone, Yeah. because you know, I think about like my mum seeing me like near death, you know, at times, you know, struggling so badly when I'm having those seizures, you know, it's hard for them, you know, going. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. 100% yeah. you see that. And then the trauma that they carry with them as well. And, but it's, it's that element of that recognition that it just sometimes, it just is, with, some, with lots of things, especially, it just is what it is, isn't it? I think sometimes we overplay it. And then our parents overplay it because we're overplaying it. And it's just yeah. cyclical. Because actually, yeah. we'll break it down. Having a seizure, it's not going to last more than five minutes. If it does, call an ambulance. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. Use this, use that, chuck them in the return position and make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. When they wake up, ask them who you are. Yeah. Who am I? You're my nan. No, I'm your dad. <laughs> okay. Sorry, didn't get that one correct. <laughs> yeah, so we've touched on what epilepsy is and seizures but there are a few misconceptions about what epilepsy causes as it doesn't always cause just seizures um would you be able to expand on that a little bit for us Molly? so um i have a few myths here and <laughs> i'm going to debunk them nice <laughs> so uh there's a myth that you shake and jerk when you have epilepsy uh, but the fact is not every seizure means a person shakes and jerks nor is a person always unconscious during a seizure Shaking and jerking while unconscious are usually associated with tonic-clonic seizures. There are a range of different seizures which have different side effects and can affect people differently. And then another myth is flashing lights cause
cause all the seizures in mm. everyone's epilepsy. <laughs> Don't be getting emotional, um, everyone. <laughs> so around one in a hundred people have epilepsy, and these of these people, um, three percent of them have photosensitive epilepsy, and it's more common in children and young people, which is up to five percent, and it's less commonly diagnosed after the age of twenty. But triggers can differ from person to person. And the third myth is you can restrain someone during a tonic clinic seizure and put your finger in their mouth. Oh. No. Uh, no. Surely that's the worst thing to do. Well, if you want your finger bitten off, carry on. Yeah. Wow. I think you have to know exactly what to do when a seizure is happening, which mm. is what we'll get into later. Yeah. Um, and then another myth is um, the only side effects of seizure are tiredness and being confused. Having epilepsy can affect people in different ways. Mm -hmm. Knowing that a person has epilepsy does not tell you very much about what happens for them or how epilepsy affects them. But some people can have problems with their sleep or memory, or some have problems with their mental health. Mm -hmm. And also, don't put your finger in. No, the jaw will lock, and you lose that. If thing you want to keep all ten fingers, oh. keep them away. Keep them away. Keep them away. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that is definitely worth clarifying, I think also from linked to the myths, is that seizures don't all look the same. Um, we know that people can have seizures even if they don't have epilepsy. Sometimes it's related to being allergic to something. Um, but would you, will one of you be able to talk about maybe the different types of seizures for us and different, like, how it looks. I don't know yeah. if that's the right way to say it. I think I'll pass it to Molly in a second because the, the terminology's changed in the last, probably the last 20 years. But when I had seizures, they called grand mal, which basically means large. Yeah. So those tonic clonic seizures that Molly's talking about, so they last up to five minutes. You then get the T mal seizures, more the absence seizures, then where someone might be out for 30 seconds, etc. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the terminology now, Molly, what are they utilizing when they're diagnosing so them? These are like the six main types of seizures that a person can get mm -hmm. and one of them is focal seizures and that's when it starts at one side of the brain um, and it can be like, I think it can start on one side and then develop over like a different side but um, it used to be called partial seizures but it's no longer used in this term mm -hmm. and then there's tonic-clonic seizures which I think a lot of people do have these types of seizures. Mm -hmm. um, I personally have had a lot of these seizures mm -hmm. and um, they are called grand mal seizures. Yes, um, the most popular. Yeah, yeah. Most, <laughs> most popularly chosen. <laughs> most chosen, yes. And tonic-clonic seizures can have a general generalised onset, meaning they affect both sides of the brain from the start. When this happens, the seizure is called a generalised tonic-clonic. Some seizures start in one side of the brain and then spread to affect both sides. Mm. And then there's absence seizures like Mr. Miles was talking about earlier, which um, I think absence seizures come can come like unnoticed sometimes. Yeah. You know, I've had some and it can just be like you go out for a few seconds. Yeah. And I think you've probably seen that because I've been in your class. I just thought you were dis like, disinterested, kind of Molly. Definitely not. Definitely not. going on about Buddhism again. I'll just switch off for thirty seconds. You know. <laughs> I think that's something that, as a as a teacher, 
talking about more training on, you know, when we think about epilepsy, when I'm doing epilepsy training, as to speak to staff about this, someone who's had epilepsy, most would then think of the tonic clunks as you talk about in the body. Yeah. But actually, what's been quite interesting is that teachers understanding of what happens, mm -hmm. especially with an absence seizure, is not yeah. a child completely just switching off and staring at this. And yeah. it's not taking, it's knowing that child, knowing that individual, actually, yes, they are having a seizure. Are they fine? Are they safe? Are they secure? Yes, right? Mm -hmm. So when they're back with us, we can just call a mental and then come down and, and move them on. And I guess what people kind of get wrong is that, like, I'm in class and I'm not, not interested. No. Like, I care about the lesson, yeah. but, you know, I'm having a seizure, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, there's two types of absence seizures which are typical and atypical and um they affect both sides of the brain and they are called petite mal seizures as well and then there's myoclonic seizures and they are generalized onset which is both sides of the brain like i said earlier um and are affected from the start or they can be focal onset, meaning just one side of the brain is affected. And then there's also tonic seizures, and they can be generalized onset, meaning they affect both sides of the brain from the start, or they can be focal onset, meaning they start in just one side of the brain. So I'm probably gonna repeat myself a lot. But. And then there's finally, there's atonic seizures, which can be generalized onset, meaning they affect both sides of the brain from the start, or they can be focal onset, meaning they start in just one side of the brain. Atonic seizures are sometimes called drop attacks. Mm -hmm. I think that's when you do like drop to the floor mm -hmm. or something. Yeah, you just drop. That's it. So some some will be a lot of them. When they talk about we talk about generalised as well. I don't know your experience more that generalised seizure of me meant that uh, you know all I can describe it as is if you place your hands over your eyes and you crush on your eyes and you open your eyes, it looks like dots yeah. like that. And they would just come across one side or another side or just at once, and they don't have a seizure. I only ever had a drop seizure once. I think I, was, I just have to be sat down anyway, so perfectly fine. But the, that I think that's what when we're referring to the localized onset or general onset. You know, I don't myself, Molly, but for me that would mean that yes, there's just like a dark cloud moving across my face, mm -hmm. like if someone's like as a pirate and someone's putting a patch here and then another patch there, and I'm like, oh, that's okay, here we go. Yeah. You know, not particularly enjoyable because you know what's coming and you know yeah. how you're going to feel afterwards in that respect as well yeah. so there's definite you know the language i think for someone who's in their mid-thirties is significantly more acceptable <laughs> now yeah. than when are you know are you having a fit or are you having a, yeah. it's a seizure so yeah. and, the, and the descriptions of it as well so mm -hmm. i see that we've got um a few more questions is that all right charlie if i just made that yeah up. no so, yeah that's no, right Yes. Okay. Um, so kind of going back to, I think we talked about sort of people thinking you're just going to get sent to a mental institution if you have epilepsy, kind of going back to that and talking about treatment um, is another thing we should kind of clarify that that's not what happens if you are diagnosed with epilepsy mm -hmm. or if you have a seizure. Um, there are actually different ways that you can treat epilepsy. Um, would you be able to talk to us about um, how you manage your epilepsy on a day-to-day -day basis and different kind of treatments you could mm -hmm. have to make to make you 
more manageable. Yeah, to make it more yeah. manageable. I think I'll, if Molly wants to talk about the, the medication in a moment and then your yeah. experience, I'll just say from my experience, an element of medication itself was still, you know, it's, it's quite laborious. It, it was quite large, they're called ethylene pills, big purple pills basically. And they're quite laborious to take, and in terms of tracking that, it'd be quite tiring. But as an adult, when I was taken off the medication, it's more about you know things that Molly, you yourself are doing right now in terms of that. You know, we talk about mental well-being, physical well-being. That and well, I can't play cricket. I'm going to find something else I can do. I can't. I can't run. So I'm going to go for a walk. I can't. Mm. You know, it's, and actually, with epilepsy, it's, there's so many elements of fatigue and stress and anxiety that can cause a seizure, trigger a seizure. You want to manage those three as best possible. Whether it's yeah. meditation or yoga or Pilates or any whatever works for you mm -hmm. you know for me i found that running has worked in the last you know since my last seizure running and cycling mm -hmm. you know when my mum found out that i was cycling she had a heart attack well, what if you fall off and get hit by the car i could get hit by the car anyway just constantly won't yeah it's that element of whatever works best for you so yeah i know that the medication has come on significantly however you're still taking the same thing that i was taking 25 years ago really yeah oh wow well in like in terms of medication i think what people think is like you go on medication and it all just goes away but um i'll talk about my experience with it um so i was on a um drug called kepra and um i don't know if it was just like because it's maybe the cheapest option but um it's known to um cause very bad like in girls, um, can I say this? I'm trying to think. Of, the I'm word. trying to think of the word you're thinking of. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, I've got no idea what word you're thinking of. Terrible wind, really. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible wind. Oh god. So um. God, it's okay. We can hard. go. We can go back to it if you think of it later. But I was on Kepra, and it's known to have like um, side effects on girls, especially, and like how they behave. Mm -hmm. And um, it negatively affected me very much. Mm -hmm. And even though they put me on this medication, they still did it anyway. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, it wasn't the best. And I basically um turned into like a different person yeah and like all my teachers were like noticing this change in me and like i was like it wasn't like behavior like a normal teenager would be it was like like burning pieces of paper like hiding under my bed like just like weird like just yeah. stuff that not abnormal yeah not just very abnormal usually do kind of and yeah. that wasn't anything of my fault yeah but, like it's known and it's called kepra rage and it like happens in like specifically like girls mm -hmm. when they're on this medication and it's just like it just didn't work for me and it was causing more seizures as well mm -hmm. so like i was having like threatening like it was threatening my life as well yeah because um it was risky because like um there was times where i think i had a seizure in the bath once mm -hmm. and that was yeah there's just some yeah. times where you're just like close to death because of the seizure, mm -hmm. but people don't see that side of it, you no. know? Yeah. And also when I came on to my medication now, which I'm on sodium valproate, which is Epilim, um, this works, but um, if you read the packaging, it says that you cannot get pregnant on it because 
your babies will be deformed, which is very nice. Look, the medication that works will probably, I'd have to come off it at some point, mm -hmm. which could cause more seizures in the future. So, so there's downsides yeah. to taking it, but positives to taking yeah. it as well. You can't really win either way. And I'm also on a, um, um, on a drug that helps my seizures when they're happening. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll be like a little squeeze in like my side of my cheek. Oh yes, I know. I have Don't know what they're yes. called. Yeah. Yeah. It's they like, um, I know exactly what you're on about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's literally, don't, don't try and get your finger in the jaw, open it in the mouth, and then just in you go. Oh no, it's and like it's, gel It's stuff. a relaxant is what it is. Yeah. It's a relaxant, it's a, yeah, because of the wise. And it does actually work. We've used it once, mm -hmm. and that was my last seizure that I had. Mm -hmm. And it actually is good. Mm -hmm. So I'm Do glad it works. I'm glad it works too. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. past five minutes on a seizure means yeah. locked on, you know, for a long period of time. But I think there's quite interesting here that that's, that changes as well. I think my sort of comment with regards to the, the, the medication is that trust the consultants, trust the doctors. You know, this is a this is something that is so more better managed even from 20 years ago when I had it, you know, in that sense. But that, like, it's still, there's still things that happen, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. I was... I, something happened with like they over medicated me and it's just like this happens and it's just like you know that you shouldn't be doing it and then it happened mm. you know yeah and you th would think like in the 21st century like stuff like that wouldn't happen oh I it agree it happens all the time yeah I agree there's no excuses in that respect I think my, my point I was trying to make is I just trust the medication and then trust the consultants I'll come to a point where I'll say Molly actually we want to take you off this we want to wean you off this mm -hmm. and it's you it's where they know that you're in a very good place where you've not had a seizure for x amount of time and you're going to bring in more cake and you haven't had a seizure of this kind and the medication is you know you've got to a stage where having had ecgs mris as well yeah, yeah they were to recognize those movements within your brain in terms of the electrodes as well so it's it's it, it's just very frustrating when you're a young person mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's just yeah. the, the process. But um, I recently had an appointment and um, basically they told me that I'd probably never come off medication mm -hmm. because the last time I came off medication it was like a year and then I had a seizure after it um, mm -hmm. so it probably won't work again and it will be likely that I'd have a seizure if I came off it so um, they probably won't take me off anything. But they can also like treat epilepsy with they have like medical marijuana now that helps it mm -hmm. um they also do surgery but they don't do surgery for everyone is that quite extreme cases yeah extreme cases <laughs> so like in me and i don't know how bad your epilepsy was because obviously i wasn't there when it happened but in my case <laughs> my epilepsy it's bad but it's still not bad to the point where yeah. What are we talking? Let's have like an epilepsy off. What are we talking like? What's your longer seizure? <laughs> my seizures aren't that long actually. My seizures were like ten minutes. Max. Oh, okay, that's you. You win. All right. When's how how often between seizures you have seizure? What's all right? Months, you, weeks. It could depend. Do you talk, we have one on a Tuesday. Like when it was like at, day, when it was our first. Yeah. Um, I was having like two seizures a week. I think you win hands down, isn't it? Really, let's be honest. That I think, must be quite intense for your body yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, and with the recovery process, like mm -hmm. you're not perfectly fine after. No, you've, you've just been a conscious. No, yeah. so yeah. Like, it takes like to a day to like a week yeah. to like fully recover from yeah. it. Yeah, 
Because it's not just no. a switch, you know, no. it's no. normal. No, not at all. I'm really interested to hear, and I think quite, you've spoken quite bravely, I think, Molly, with yeah. regards to, especially medication there and the type of seizures, you know, I think that my own experience is that I was very fortunate to be diagnosed with a type of FSM as you would grow out of in your teenage years. Yeah. And to have that and to share that and, and you know, have to sort of explain that to people, I think it takes a lot of courage in that yeah, respect. Yeah, definitely. A lot of courage. So, fair play to you. I have a lot of respect from over here. That was yeah. Music, like, so, literally across the hill, you're not in a different room. But, fair play in that respect. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you know, Molly, me and Louisa, when we were planning the podcast, were also doing our own research because we wanted to know a little bit more than we did before we came into the um, episode. But epilepsy affects around 630,000 people in the UK and 80 people roughly are actually diagnosed every single day in the UK, which is a lot of people if you think about it in the grand scheme of things. I reckon if you googled how many people have epilepsy in the UK now compared to when we were last looking, we'll have gone up by loads. Um, But this means that the likelihood that you could come across someone who has epilepsy, possibly having a seizure or needing assistance, could be quite high. Um, would you be able to explain what you would do if you came across somebody who needed assistance as they were having a seizure? I think I would say what you would you shouldn't do regardless of seizure is mm. uh, move them if they're having yeah. a seizure. Yeah. Or if they are thrashing around on the floor and having a tonic flowing seizure, don't think, oh, the best thing to do is to hold them down. That's not... Because yeah, no. it's likely Straight that... Down. Yeah, the, the strength that you have from having a seizure means that if you were to hold some down, they lash out and punch you in the jaw. Whether, no, you're, like you know, whether you're as small as Molly or as tall as someone like, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant, for example, that's what yeah. it's likely, but likely you, you, you have your jaw broken. Yeah. What should you do with that, Molly? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've got like a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to put them in a recovery position. Yeah. Because, uh, but this is more like when the convulsions stop. Yeah. So like, you basically need to let the seizure go on mm-hmm. because um, you can hurt yourself or you can hurt them in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but only move them if they're in danger, like if they're near a busy road or like a cooker, you know. Um, make sure to cushion their head. You know, they can. It can be anything from a pillow. Or like your jumper, yeah, anything like that. Um, so loosen any tight clothing around their neck, such as a collar or a tie, because of breathing. Yep. Um, stay with them and talk to them calmly until they recover, um, because obviously they're not really aware of their surroundings. No, and just as scary as it is for the person, I'm possibly there, it's probably even worse for the person yeah. having a seizure because and they've just gone through it. Yeah. You also need to note the time the seizure starts and finishes. Mm-hmm. This is important because um, when calling 999, it has to be over five minutes. Yeah. Um, because they'll probably be fine to go along if it's under five minutes. Yeah. Not really needed any attention from medical staff. Mm-hmm. Um, if the person is in a wheelchair, put the brakes on and leave any seatbelt or harness on. Support them gently and cushion their head but do not try to move them. Mm-hmm. Do not put anything in their mouth, including your fingers. <laughs> Please. Yeah. They should not have any food or drink until they have fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, so when to call an ambulance. Like I said earlier, it was 
with more than five minutes. Mm -hmm. But um, there's other things as well. So um, if it's their first seizure, um, take them to hospital. Um, if the seizure lasts longer than it is usual for them, so they could normally have had seizures for three minutes. So if it's 10 minutes now, you can leave them to hospital. So um, um, if the person does not regain full consciousness or has several seizures without regaining consciousness, if the person is seriously injured during the seizure, so um, once I bash my chin mm -hmm. and on like a tile floor mm -hmm. and that I was lo losing blood, so I'll take the doctor to you know, stitch it. Yeah. Um, uh, people with epilepsy usually have a care plan agreed with doctors and their family or carers, um, which usually says what to do when they have a seizure, which like giving emergency medication, like I have. And if you know what to do and you've been trained, then you can follow their care, um, their care plan. <laughs> yeah. Some people with epilepsy wear a special bracelet. I have one. Um, it's usually like a purple bracelet. Mm -hmm. I don't have it on me right now, but yeah. <laughs> um, or they will carry a card to let medical professionals and anyone witnessing a seizure know they have epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Because some people can have seizures but not actually have epilepsy. So you yeah. can have non-epileptic seizures. Yeah. Um, which epilepsy action will have more seizures about information on seizures that last longer than five minutes. Mm -hmm. If anyone wants to look at that, if they ever witness one. Mm -hmm. Um, so we've covered quite a lot in this episode, um, but before we say goodbye, um, Molly, you said that you actually were talking to me about a really interesting website, which I looked at after you told me, but would you like to share the website and any other useful resources yeah. that either of you would have for people who um, might want to know a bit more? So if you'd like more information about epilepsy, there are some amazing resources on the Epilepsy Action website. Um, they're a charity who research and fundraise to improve the lives of people living with epilepsy. Mm -hmm. If you or a loved one is struggling with epile anything epilepsy related, please call the Epilepsy Action Helpline, which mm -hmm. is 0808-800-5050. Mm -hmm. um, I'll repeat that. 0808-800-5050. The number and the website yeah. in the description of the podcast and i'd also like to say i'm running um hopefully we'll be running the london marathon yes wow. so i saw that when you when you signed up for it i am going to be fundraising for epilepsy action that will be amazing honestly i think that's great that's absolutely i think that you know if we're talking about resources i think that if individuals at a school want to learn about epilepsy just come along and you know if Molly's happy to have a conversation with I think that's the most important yeah, thing, isn't it? Oh, you know. Could I am yeah. the very small one who has <laughs> the deputy <laughs> shooter badge yeah. and a pink lanyard. So yeah, and a pink lanyard. Yes. So easy come to up to me for. whenever you want. So should we else? No, no, no. Sorry, I think it's been an absolute pleasure to to yeah. just discuss and converse and just share the information. I think that, you know, for I think my experience of it is, is you know completely different to Molly's in that regard. Yes. It's a long time ago and it's yeah. a different type of epilepsy. I think that what has changed is people's attitudes, the resources around that as well. And I think that if I was in school and if I knew that there was a member of staff or someone further up the school in sixth of that had something like I had, it might have changed my attitude once I was in school towards yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I'm very fortunate, I have really good friends on it, etc. But just having that knowing 
knowing that you, can, you, know, you can't see until you believe it. Yeah. So what can I achieve? So yeah. I would yeah. say that, you know, Molly doing absolutely fantastic, running the hand good luck. And I think there's another dog, you know, if you don't ask, you don't know. So instead yeah. of, you know, being ignorant and being prejudiced and being discriminatory, maybe just do some research. And if you've got questions about epilepsy, have a look at the resources that will be in the podcast. Or if you can grab one in the corridor and have a conversation where she's happy to share some information. I think so it did. really helps people with epilepsy because yeah. they're they, not alone. Yeah, they yeah. feel alone at times, and especially if you are an old person that has epilepsy, you know, you're going to feel I very think you're, lonely. you're referring to me then. <laughs> well, you well. <laughs> I am brain, but yes, right. Yeah, well, it's been a really insightful episode, so thank you both for kindly agreeing to come on and talk about it. Um, also, thank you to everyone who's listening to the episode. I'm sure you'll probably hear my voice again very soon. And listen out for Louisa too. She will also be making a return. But thank you.